Hello East Glenville Community Church. This is Jessica Munn with episode 18 of So, I Have a Question. I'm here today with Pastor Mitch. Hello. Hey. And uh, we're going to be talking about two Sunday sermons. So uh, this is February 13th and 20th of 2022. Um, And both sermons kind of were focusing on why Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come and what that means for us. And your first sermon kind of focused on the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the second on the power that the Holy Spirit brings yes. to us. Um, yeah. So, and even just the, the presence of Christ, one of the, I think the thing that, that the passage, this passage in John connects is that it, the Holy Spirit is not some strange other thing it is Jesus coming to you and, and mm-hmm. how he'll say, you know, I'm going to send this helper, this parakletos, this other encourager who's going to walk alongside you mm-hmm. just like I had walked alongside you. And as soon as he says that, he says also that I will come to you. Mm-hmm. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then later he says, you know, my father and I will come to you and we will make our home with you. We will in- indwell you. Mm-hmm. So I talk about it as the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that, and, and both it's kind of a part one, part two, because the teachings sort of blend together, and I took a little bit from all of it. Yep. And so, and obviously, part of talking about the Holy Spirit is you know talking about the Trinity, and I was curious as to if you have a favorite or a least favorite trinity analogy because i've heard of a couple and there's actually um there's this great video uh there's a group that's called lutheran satire on youtube and they teach things by making fun of stuff that's literally their tagline and they have one video that's all about like different analogies for the trinity and how they're all wrong and it's really great <laughs> and yes in some ways i i i enjoy the the attempts to try to describe the Holy or the Trinity with analogies, and I'm not really anti any of them. To some, as long as you acknowledge that all none of them quite get it right, mm-hmm. and so I mean, I one of the ones I actually like is the ice, water, steam. That it's all water. It sometimes comes to you in a different form. That mm-hmm. that so uh, I, I'm not so sure about the three leaf clover. How helpful that one is, but hey. If that helps you understand it, right. communicate it. What I want to, I, I got thinking about when I saw that question, is is one of the issues that comes up with trying to analogize. And so I encountered a, a heresy, mm. and I didn't realize it was a heresy until I talked further. It's, it was a good friend of mine who, um, you know, he, we would talk about a lot of stuff. And he, he came from a church and and it was a very it was a Pentecostal church mm-hmm. and and when I looked it up the title they gave to it they had sameness theology. Okay. And so when I was talking about the Trinity or all of that, I would say that, that Father, Son and Holy Spirit are one. They're united. And he would keep saying, Well, they're all the same. Hmm. Father, Son and Jesus are the same. And I'm like well, they're the same in one way, but they're not the same. They're distinct persons. Mm-hmm. And, but in his background, no, they, they don't 
recognize the distinctives between the persons. They're just this, they call it sameness theology. Hmm. And um, it's not vastly different. I, I think it's a heresy in that it's other, but it's not a cult or anything. Right. Um, but, so it got me thinking a lot about it. And and so I guess the, I'll just stick with the formulation. I can't, they are united. They're one. But each of them, they're the same in that they have the same character. Mm-hmm. Back when we were talking about the incarnation of Jesus, back yep. in Hebrews 1, I talked about how it says that the Son is the same, the exact character of, of God. Which is why if you know Jesus, you know the Father. Yes. And then so the point I want to make out of this John is that what I'm seeing is, is the Holy Spirit is also the same character, the same imprint mm-hmm. of, of God. It's not like you're getting, he's going to wildly be different than Jesus or the Father. Mm-hmm. He's, now he comes in a different form in that sense, like he's invisible. Yeah. You know, Jesus was visible in the flesh, but, but the character is still the same. So in that sense, they're the same, but but they're different persons who are able to interrelate. So that when I think about the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, um, yeah. So I said something mm-hmm. about that that you you actually I think understand the Trinity better by experiencing it yep. than by just trying to do all this teaching about it. Re- react to that. Well, I think my first reaction was like, well, what, like, is there a specific experience? Because I, I, I remember a lot in college of people just being like, well, like, how do I know? Like, how do I uh-huh. know this isn't just my brain thinking and this is the Holy Spirit and those sorts of questions? Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of okay. like my first reaction. Well, that's a different direction I was... So here's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. Is that because I, I've been involved in different types of churches, denominations. I was in parachurch, and I know you have as well. Yep. Like, I found that people were using different language, but describing the same thing. Mm. So in Young Life, we talked about following, walking with Christ, following Jesus. And that was our language. It was really Jesus-centered. And then I can counter these, you know, charismatic folks who are being filled with the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And then occasionally, I come up, people, people go more like closeness with the Father, or you know, the the heart of God, heart of the Father. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was realizing that they're using different verbiage, but they're talking about the same experience. That's what mm-hmm. I mean by, in a sense, it's like as you live it, you could say whatever it is that's happening inside. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yes, it's definitely the Spirit because that's, but I could also literally say that's Jesus living in me. And and you know what? I can also say that's God. That's the Father, right? And yeah. there's times where I felt the love of the Father flow into me. But I, it was the Holy Spirit conveying that. The Father did not leave his throne in heaven. Right. It, he did it through the Spirit, but it was still the Father. Yeah. That's what I mean by the experience that of it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, especially because, like, part of it is the, like, it's all about cheesy. Like, the, it's the relationship. Right, yes. and so like somebody who, somebody who has a background, say with an abusive father, <coughs> um, like they're gonna have 
more trouble potentially interacting with the Father at first, but right. they can still interact with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, and maybe that might they be, need Jesus, the, their friend, yep, first. Right, that might be the yeah. terminology that they start with. Yeah. And I think the more that you... The more that you grow in that relationship, the more you see the different facets and the more it's easier. I know the more I've experienced things, the more I'm more able to use that different terminology. Right. Um, because it's like, well, yeah, I guess this time it, it did feel like, you know, it was the same thing, but it was in some ways it was different. Right. Which makes sense now that you say it. Like, why in Young Life that was working with teenagers, why they might use Jesus language, yep. like he's our, he's our older brother, you know, he's a really cool guy. You know, as teenagers, I'm sure there's conflict between them and their parents, you know. Right. The father imagery didn't quite resonate as much at that age. Maybe that's how we got drawn into that. Yeah, so. yeah, the, what is it, the name Adonai is actually, like, master. And I'm like, that doesn't really fly much these days. I don't hear anybody okay. saying, like, oh, master. Um, yeah. But it's still, it's still an aspect in some It's still ways. true. Right. Yeah. So, so anyways, I think it's, that's sort of what I meant by, you. I think you just know it as you live it. And more now, the aspect you mentioned is how do you know when it's really the spirit versus your own mind? That is the eternal challenge. And people that seem to have are very much I know the Lord has spoken to me, and they're so confident about it. Like I think it's the Lord speaking to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I could pretend. You know, I always know for sure. But I mean, there's time. I know after the fact. Yeah. For example, I firmly believe that the Lord led me to East Glenville. Like I can. But I know that because now that I'm here, I see the affirmations of it. Mm -hmm. In the moment, I don't always know. Yeah. And I think that's what it means to walk by faith. Mm -hmm. That you, you have to step out into something that you think God's leading you. Yeah. Your best guess. And you're trusting that even if you have it a little wrong, he'll redirect you when you need it. Right. And I think... For me, I found in college a terminology that helped me a lot because I often would, like, I would just stop and be like, I don't know if this is right or not. What do I do? And so I would say, like, oh, I'm having, okay, Jesus, let's experiment. I'm having an experiment with you. I think this is you. I'm going to take the step, figure it out, and then see what happens afterwards, and then we'll debrief and That's awesome. Out. That's perfect. Yeah. Or the other factor simply is we're not doing it alone. Mm -hmm. That's why what's our, our thing, at, you know, learning together how to follow how, learning to love God and love others as we follow Jesus together yeah it's like you, you got your friend and you say hey here's what I'm thinking God's saying to me is how does that strike you yeah and we can help each other hearing from the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. so I have a question yes have you experienced controversies or teachings you weren't sure about regarding the Holy Spirit uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> um so there's been a couple so I've being in an interdenominational group and actually wanting to learn about different denominations, I've dabbled in many of the areas. Um, so I think a lot of it, like, there's the controversy of, like, what does it look like? Like, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes on someone? Um, mm. Like, if you're from a more Pentecostal tradition, there's some who say that, like, you have to develop the ability to speak in tongues in order to say you have the Spirit. Um and yeah, so I guess that's one. Okay. Um, another controversy I've had is of people who say that like the miracles and stuff that are in the New Testament were just for that time and don't happen today. And if stuff like that happens, it could be de demonic. 
Okay. Um, so kind of. I've so heard you've of, given the two extremes. I yes. <laughs> um, the latter one you said is called the cessationists. Okay. And that is that all the spiritual gifts have ceased. That was for the apostolic era only. Yes. And that God can do miracles, but He doesn't give power to His people to do them. Or uh, it's that's different variations. And then there's the very much the. Emphasis on tongues to the point of that is the the only marker to look for Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, being knowing you really have the Holy Spirit. And I've been told I'm not I'm not really a Christian or not really a full disciple or I don't have the whole gospel because I don't speak in tongues. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about tongues. Okay. since we're hey, let's do it. You know, Um, the Bible talks about tongues as a practice that can happen for Christians. So I believe it. And I believe it is potentials. I, I don't think of it as, I, I don't quite follow the cessationist line. Um, I, at a couple times of myself have prayed, you know, God, give me this gift. And God has chosen not to give me the gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. And I sought it a couple times, even intensely, because I had friends urging me to. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I, I was, but I knew what I wasn't going to do. I was not going to, force myself like try to just babble and turn it into tongues um so on my thing i I certainly believe it's possible and when someone says they speak in tongues i'm with them you Mm -hmm. know what i mean god bless your brother like i'm not but here here's the thing going back to our passage because i that's why i was thinking about it is Mm -hmm. jesus is talking about the holy spirit and and the whole initial teaching and tongues don't show up Mm mm-hmm so it's obviously not so important. Right. Like if it was really what the, the Pentecostals types were saying, that that's the essential part of it, don't you think Jesus would have clued them in? Oh, by the way, when mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit comes, you're suddenly going to speak in tongues. Right. So that's not in John. In Paul's letters, he talks about tongues, especially in 1 Corinthians 12, but there he's talking about it as as being part of a problem that it was being done in a way that was distracting people from worship right. and he's he basically was giving them rules by which they're not to let tongues take take over or 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 be a distraction from true teaching and worship about Jesus mm-hmm. so it's not really a place that that um i, I don't see elsewhere in Paul where he's saying speaking in tongues is key right. to your christian life so where are the main places we get tongues? And it's the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And I think God gave the initial experience of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday at, for a very practical reason. Why did the initial disciples... And so for those who don't know the story, Acts chapter 2, Jesus had had raised from the dead. He's gone back to the Father. Now, they're now waiting for the Holy Spirit. They, they know something's coming and when the Holy Spirit comes on them, it says they begin speaking in other languages. Mm-hmm. And there's two reasons why they do that. One is, is, is God wanted them to be sure in this instant that something new has happened? Mm-hmm. Just like you said, sometimes it's hard to tell. Is this the really Holy Spirit? Is this my mind? God wanted there to be no doubt. So not only did they speak in tongues, there were tongues of fire over their heads. So like, okay, I think this is it. <laughs> be like... Is this it, Jesus, or are we still waiting for something else? No, this is it. Yep. So they saw that. The other practical reasons is that in Jerusalem at that time, 
there were people who had traveled in from other parts of the Roman Empire right. who would have spoken those languages. Maybe they spoke both Hebrew and these other languages that would have heard it. And it, it you know, the church grew like crazy because they're like, what is this about? Right. So it opened the door for evangelistic opportunities. Other times in Acts where it talks about the Holy Spirit falling in a dramatic way or there being tongues, people needed to know it was happening for sure. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was for that time to to do that. Can God do that again? Yes, he can. Yep. My, this is a long answer, I'm sorry. You're good. My experience of the Holy Spirit was much more tame. I, I mean, I, I remember the night that I first talked to God. I didn't know the whole, I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. Um, I just finally believed that there was a God and that he loved me. And I, I opened my life to him. Um, he asked me, do you want to follow me? And like, yes. And I, I believe then that was the Holy Spirit came. I wasn't emotional about it at all. I was like, this is very matter of fact. Like, okay. So, so, so I was kind of curious and I remember my friends like hugging me after I told them, my Christian friends, I'm like, dude, what are you hugging me for? I, you know, what's up with this? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot more emotion yep. than I had. Now, as I get older, man, I emotion hits me much more now than, mm-hmm. than it did back when I was 15 or 16. Is that the opposite of what most people think? I don't... See, I don't, like, remember the first time for myself. Okay. So I know that each time, like, it was a little different. Yeah. Um, so, like, I... So I remember in being in college, I remember the first night when I was given the gift of tongues. Okay. Um, And so, like, I, I remember, like, there's some moments where I remember it being very much a, like, emotional moment. But usually, usually it was emotional because, like... Jesus said something like it, like the facts were simple and right. it was just that the facts hit me in a soft spot mm. where I was like, Oh, and usually it was the, like, I did not realize that you love me this much type of a thing. Um, and so that, that's for me is when it can get a little emotional, but there's been plenty of times when it's just like, Nope, like that's, it's just that simple. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I guess my point being more is, I think the Holy Spirit has softened my heart over time. Yeah. Um, now that could just be becoming a dad. Like there's all those little things <laughs> that hit the heart of men in a certain way that, you know, I was, I consider myself a stoic in high school. So I was kind of a, I was an oddball. I no, I, I had that phase in high school too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hence the Mr. Spock theology kept <laughs> stuck with me. Um, all right. I've talked a lot. Where, where do we go from here? Um, well, okay, we kind of just hit on, I, I was going to say a lot of times the Holy Spirit is correlated to emotions, and we kind of just hit on that, and that it doesn't have to be. But yeah. often often it is just like as if, like, if your best friend or your husband or, or your spouse type of thing, like, says something that impacts you in a soft spot, like, you yeah. can get emotional. And I think it would be the same as the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I think it's certainly the Holy Spirit's, Holy Spirit's associated with energy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they talk about being full of the Spirit and being bold. Like, it, it can overwhelm your your other emotions in a way that yeah. gives you boldness or lack, you know, takes away the fear. Um, the other thing that I think about, like, the 
some of the disciples, I think Barnabas, he was full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the Holy Spirit, maybe Barnabas was more in the sense of it made him thoughtful right, and insightful versus, you know, emotional. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, God, you know, we, I think I relate to my children differently because they have different personalities. Mm-hmm. Could it be that God, you know, relates to us in a way through his spirit that fits best our personality? Probably. I mean, it would be the same as like how God gives different gifts. Yeah. Right? Like you could have, well, okay. I've heard of the gift of wisdom and I've heard of like, you know, there's gifts of empathy and there's, you know, you can, but I think in a lot of ways, it's just how God chooses to reveal himself through another person Yeah. and show an aspect of his character. God is wise. He is wisdom. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah. And he cares for each of us, Mm -hmm. treats us each individually, not just as a, as a group. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So kind of moving on a little bit from there, uh, you talked about, you, you used this phrase at one point of, uh, that we were meant to give Jesus ownership of our lives. (laughs) And so I wanted to just dive a little bit more into what did you mean by that? I don't know. I think I mean it. Like, I think (laughs) it's saying, I mean, I think it's a hard decision of saying, all right, I, 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 most people think of themselves as they own themselves, Mm. right? It's my life. I'll do what I want with it. And if you know Jesus, you can't say that anymore. Mm. It's not my life. I can't do what I want with it anymore. Like it's his life. I mean, Paul says that, it's him living in me that counts. It's, you know, by faith in the son of God, he loves me and gave himself for me. And, and Peter says, you know, you're not your own. You're bought at a price. So, I mean, it, in some ways it's an inner core decision about you belong to him. And that's, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at the same time, it, you know, we, we don't just, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, sit and wait for a, a fax from God to tell us what to do. So we got to press on with things and, and move forward. Mm-hmm. So it sometimes it feels like we still own our life cause we're still trying to make a living and that. Um, so I guess it's just a commitment to doing as he would lead us to do, mm. um, a desire to build his kingdom, not our own kingdom. It's a, it's almost a, he gets the last say when I make decisions and yeah. I'm going to focus on his on him instead of myself. Yeah. Type of. Yeah. So that's a lot of, that's how it practically works out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still pretty committed to the, it means he's the owner. We belong <laughs> to him. We are his possession. So. It should be simple. And yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Hmm. Um, we might have we might have hit on this one, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Um, so, why like you talked about you reiterated again this Sunday about how like the Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come. Yes. Like why couldn't Jesus be here and the Holy Spirit be here? Like, I I wonder the same thing. <laughs> like if I was the disciples, I would have said, "Can we have both?" Right. Like. <laughs> and why not? But it it it's said kind of enough different ways. 
and he says it more clearly in six, chapter 16, okay. which we've not gotten to. That's where he says, I, the spirit cannot come unless I go. Now, part of it might simply be he, Jesus needs to be exalted. Mm. And you can't be both incarnate and exalted to be Lord of all at the same time. That's fair. And so um, part of it is a simply strategy. Jesus could, you know, it's like to pursue two different strategies. Some people would meet the incarnate Jesus and others would know Jesus through the spirit. I don't think that's going to work. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I guess Jesus incarnate in theory, if he's incarnate, he would actually die at some point of old age in theory. Maybe? No. No? I mean, he's still... Actually, now we believe he's physically raised from the dead and will never die again. If he just happened to be walking around on Earth... Okay. I guess that's fair. Yeah. That'd be a little odd. I mean, this called back a memory. There, there's a book called Joshua that I read in the 80s. Okay. And it basically is, what if Jesus came back today? And okay. He was a... The guy was a carpenter. It was a little bit like folksy-ish and hippies-ish. And, okay. But it was a cool book. It got me thinking. Um, but you know, why doesn't Jesus, and, and, and I was just thinking strategically, okay, what if Jesus literally, instead of ascending, just said, all right, I'm going to go up here to this person to this person and think of how many people he would have had to meet with. Yeah. Even if you only got a minute with them, like, you know, yeah. and how many Christians are there now? You know, maybe a couple billion that fall under the name Christian. Right. You and, know? and he wouldn't be allowed in North Korea. That's true. You know, many other places, you know, could he was in his resurrection body? Could he withstand a nuclear bomb? I, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so I think on a practical level, the Holy Spirit is going to be the way that he can engage mm-hmm. all people. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so and you were talking about, oh, I got to get better context for this one. Okay. So that. You started, you kind of talked about the superpowers yeah. that the Holy Spirit brings to us. Um, so you, you listed off a couple of things. So it was, I'm hoping I didn't miss any. So greater work, uh, greater presence, greater teaching, greater peace, greater position, greater triumph, uh, and greater love, lastly. Uh-huh. Um, so when you're talking about greater work, um, so... You mentioned how, like, the work was really more, like, the advancement of the gospel and not a lot of what, a lot, what I, okay, what I think and what I think a lot of other people think of as works as, like, miracles or, like, crazy things and stuff like that. Sure, that's what I thought. I mean, I've read that and said, he will do greater works, you know, like, your first reaction is, well, greater miracles. So, because, and other times Jesus says, you will know me by the works that I do. Right. Um, but at the same time, so even there, you'll know me by the works that I do when he, he says to John, who's, you know, how I know, how do I know that you're really the Holy Spirit? He says, the lame, uh, walk again, the blind see mm-hmm. those are miracles, but there are also certain types of miracles that are, are bringing people to the knowledge of God, mm. right? It's not just miracles for the sake of a show. And what I thought about is that so often when he would, at times when Jesus do miracles, people got excited about the show and they wanted more of the show. They were never satisfied, right? Mm -hmm. They saw one miracle. They just want another miracle. And that, 
so it wasn't leading people to faith. Other times, it, it was a miracle that led people to know God and mm-hmm. change their life. So I think when he's talking about greater works, he could be meaning miracles per se, but you know how how many more people have lives have been changed how, because the Holy Spirit working in a Christian they come alongside or mm-hmm. and you can you know even talk about like with our techno medical technology now yeah our medical technology there there's things happening today people are being healed of diseases that yep. they couldn't have imagined that well now is that Christian not necessarily but you know a lot of people Christians are in the medical field and a lot of those advances came and hospitals came about because of mm-hmm. so I think Christians have made an impact in that way um yeah I yeah. I guess I'm not saying it's not it's just I it could be both and right I, I'm almost do you happen to know off the top of your head like is there is there a verse or, or something where it specifically points to it not being a miracle? Like, you happen to know any? Um, I'd have to think about that. Though. I mean, just the one that comes to mind is Paul's pleading for a miracle of to take away the thorn in his flesh, which we don't. And Jesus and the, God, and the voice of God says, my, my strength is enough. Mm-hmm. My grace is enough. You know, um, so, and I think we're going to get to the end of this, this thing. The last verse is, uh, I, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me, you will have peace mm. in this world. You will have trouble or tribulation or hardships. Um, uh, but, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about having peace amidst the hardships not an an automatic, you know, snap our fingers and right. we can do a miracle to get out of hardships. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe that would be the verse I would point to. That makes sense. Yeah. Because isn't that what we want? <laughs> we we want to be able to press a button. God, take away this hardship. You know, heal this. Yeah. Or bless me with this job and wealth or whatever right. you know we need give me this yeah get this person fired cuz i don't like them you know but no <laughs> instead he gives us peace through hardship and it's actually in the hardships that christ is seen more clearly in mm-hmm. our lives yeah and i i'm trying to think it was on the tip of my tongue when i initially was thinking of this but isn't i feel like at one point it's like his work, like Jesus's whole work in the gospel, is to bring the kingdom of God. Like that's what, like he. Yeah, that's the first thing he says. Yeah. Rejoice! The kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, blessed are you, you you who are poor in spirit, because yours is the kingdom of God, right? Like yeah. you're gonna inherit this kingdoms. God is coming. We should all rejoice. Um, God is real. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Okay, um, so the next question I have. So you, you made a specific point in talking about how um, uh, there's the verse. Oh my goodness, how does it start? Um, okay, it ends with whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. Yes. Um, and you specifically talked about how that really should be plural. I don't know. So why do they not just translate it as you, you all? all? Yeah. Because in English... Unless we're from the South, we just say you. 
I guess or you you guys. Yeah, all y'all. Yeah, all y'all are you guys. Um, it, it's it's a quirk of English that we we don't we can't tell if it's singular or plural. In Greek, it would have been clearly plural mm-hmm. um, by the verb ending on on ask. And the point I want to make is that in some ways, it's it, it, the verse before wasn't a singular thing. You, you know, the work each of you will do. Like each of us can have a part in this this greater work, because the spirit is upon each of us, mm-hmm. right? Even though you think you can't, like you think I'm not worth anything, if His spirit is in you, it's like this treasure in jars of clay. Mm-hmm. Like, and God has used people who you just you know that that don't think much of themselves. In fact, sometimes God works through those people who don't think of themselves even more. Mm-hmm. Um, those who think plenty of themselves don't always accomplish much for the kingdom. Um, but but then it goes on to whatever you ask. And I think it's saying it's not just for you to get what you want. It's for the you together as you're working on this this mission, this the, advancing the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I think there's power in prayer together, especially when we're praying for the church. You, you may have noticed we've been emphasizing that more lately. Yep. We did a prayer vigil. I'm I'm still convinced that if we're not praying together, um, praying in the same vein for the work of God to happen, I mean, God could do what he wants, but I, he wants his people to be praying and, and seeking him. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing another prayer vigil for the sanctity of life in a little different style. So so I, I, I think that's, yeah, I, I'm convinced it's vital. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why, A, we should gather together, but B, also like, you're encouraged to join a local church body that say has a mission statement, right? Yeah. It's because then it's all, we're all agreeing to be on the same mission. Yeah. And then we're asking God um, to, yeah, hopefully we are all asking God to help us all to collectively. Or or when that. you as a thing, see, Lord, we need this to, to, to do the work you're calling us to do. Yeah. He, he loves to answer those prayers. Mm-hmm. And we shared, I mean, we needed a new septic system. It cost $98,000. And then just about when it's done, a check appears in the mail. $98,000. Not like, even the first time I've heard that type of story, too, which is why I just love it. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I use the analogy... Just a, let me hit you back with a question. Yeah. So I have a question. Yes. Use the analogy of superpowers, just being a little tongue in cheek. <laughs> How do you see, like, is, is that fair at all to talk about the Holy Spirit's work in us as superpowers or what's the difference? I think it, I think it's fair. I think I, I would say that similar to how we were talking about analogies before, right? It doesn't grasp all of it. Uh-huh. Um, and it is just like, you know, an analogy, uh, but I think I think that it's fair because like there is there are certain things that I you know if I just studied the Bible by myself I can't understand and I uh-huh. need the Holy Spirit to enlighten me. Okay. Um, or there's you know um, I can't I have tried many times over the years to construct my own inner peace and mm. like that that doesn't work. Um, I need something that's out and above and above. I just said that twice above myself. Right. To bring that. Um, and, you know, especially the love part, like, 
I, I can't even begin to fully love someone if I don't know what love is like from the Father. That's a, a pure, holy, perfect love. That's, yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I made the case that we think we love others, but sometimes we're actually just wanting love and doing things that get them to, to love us back or respond in a certain way. Mm-hmm. That, that love from God looks so different. And that kind of love, we need to learn from him. Right. And we can't do without him. Yeah. And most of the world, like, you know, love is a lot of times conditional. Yes. And the idea of an unconditional love doesn't always make sense. Right. And so how do we show people something that most of our human experience, you know, not necessarily on purpose, but shows that love is conditional uh-huh. how do we how do we break that so we need to end up but i'll just yep. say in case you, i don't know if you noticed i the congregation surprised me the not the first the second sermon but back in the first one so i sometimes reference movies you, you may have noticed yes i reference movies and a lot of times hey who's seen this movie usually it's like a <coughs> a dozen hands at most but when I mentioned Castaway and had the Tom Hanks picture up, like it seemed like 90% of the congregation <laughs> put their hands up for that one. And it was, I was astounded. So, <laughs> sorry, I have a tickle in my throat now. So I'll turn it back over. Yep. No. Um, and so we will wrap this up. And uh, Pastor Mitchell, I'll look forward to discussing with you again next week. Yeah. Read John 15 for next week. John 15. You heard it here.